All right, something different. We're splitting out our interviews with our guests as separate episodes. We're going to give this a shot for a couple weeks and see what the feedback is like. Feel free to email us at show at doyouconvert.com. That's show at doyouconvert.com with all of your feedback. Also, a quick reminder that the Market Proof Marketing Academy will be back this December from December 1st through the 3rd. Over 50 marketers have already leveled up their skills by spending three days with the team at Do You Convert entirely focused on marketing, digital marketing, Google Analytics, search marketing, social reporting, dashboards, all the things. And this December is your chance to get in on the action. Get all the details at marketproofacademy.com, marketproofacademy.com. I also have the chance to dive in even deeper in the topic of buying homes online with Denise Durson from Professional Builder. And our entire 17-minute video conversation is available to watch via link in the show notes as well. And now let's bring in our guest for this week. And today we have none other than Lisa Parrish, the chief creative chick from Team PMP. Lisa, I feel like we need a thanks. To, yeah, there we go. I was looking for a round of applause, but yays will do it. You are a legend in the oh, industry. Thank you. I've been around a while. Let's put it that way. H- how long? Let's start there since you. I just celebrated my 34th year. Get out of here. Wow. That's incredible. So uh, everyone knows Lisa and and her team, uh, famous for putting on amazing events and awards programs, which we will definitely talk about. Don't worry, Mm -hmm. everyone, we will get there. But I wanted to have Lisa share her insights as an event um, expert with all the builders that are listening, because Events are something that a lot of builders hung their hat on, whether it was for grand openings and releases or model home events, uh, events with real estate agents. And so I I don't know if there's a builder nationally that I would say has it down to a complete science. Um, There's definitely builders who do it better than others, but let's just start with, we'll we'll get back to in-person events, but but talk Mm -hmm. to us about pivoting all of what you do when the pandemic hit and kind of how you had to had to find new solutions and and where you ended up finding the best solutions to be to handle something that needs to be done either hybrid or completely remote. What what were the yeah I can test yeah. that to your easy questions right off the bat here for Lisa. Right. You go from producing eighteen awards events in person a year to okay this isn't going to work. We have to come up with Plan B. And how long was it before plan B started to formulate? Uh, let's see. Let's well, March 13th was the day, right? We all remember that day when everybody said, this isn't, we're, we're, we're closing this everything down. Mm-hmm. And we had events sk- scheduled for April, May, and June. We had six different awards programs coming up wow. and we had entries and we had, we were getting ready to judge and people had done all the work already for those events. And so we knew we had to come to some sort of resolution for these folks. And also, you know, you can tell that we were going to need something to think about and be happy about because there was a lot of turmoil going on. So I won't lie. There was an A, a B, a C, and I think we ended up with a Y and a Z plan. (laughs) But eventually... We figured it out. We partnered with our friends at Sonova, who actually produced the Emmys and the Academy Awards. We found a studio in downtown LA that they had created that they were using for the big for HBO and Stars and others. And we figured out a way to broadcast or record our events. You know that the, the biggest challenge we had is trying to replicate the acceptance speech for uh, a winner. 
And oh, yeah. so, you know, that's the, that's the moment, you know, your Sally Field moment. You like me, you really, really like me that you weren't going to be able to do. And we knew we weren't going to do this via Zoom. We really wanted to make sure that the production value was the highest quality it could possibly be. And so what we did is we sent out a notices that you could record your acceptance speech and you can provide it to us. And, you know, there's nothing better than a second or third take for some of these people. So they were, they were more than happy <laughs> to provide those videos to us. And we were able to put this together and produce beautiful events for the associations and, and um, take care of the sponsors and all the attendees. And I'm not going to lie to you, um, on June, I think our first show was in July that we broadcast, which was the Golden Nugget Awards, which is one of our largest. Mm -hmm. We did it to an international audience all the way into China and Australia. And the amount of gratitude that we normally get after an award show is pretty high because everybody's really grateful to be recognized. But the wave of just absolute thank you for getting this done. I needed this. We 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 worked really hard. It would have been a, it would have been awful not to have had the opportunity. But then we really need to not think about something terrible for a while. And right. so it turned out really great. So from that point forward, we produced events every two weeks throughout the year for all kinds of different sizes of events throughout the year um, for different associations. And um, yeah, it never stopped. the The amount of just extraordinary response was overwhelming. So I have a lot of questions about this, but the first mm -hmm. one I think is when you say that the acceptance speeches was the harder part, is that because just technically them having, did, did you say here's locations you can go to, to record this professionally? Did you give them outlines of the type of equipment they should use? Or did you ship a, ship a shoebox full of we wizardry? We gave, gave them the opportunity, gave them like a little, here's a, here's a good one. You can record it on your computer. You can record it on your phone. You can have somebody come in and shoot it professionally, whatever you'd like it to be. And the majority of them at first were phone phone or, or tablet recordings. Mm -hmm. But by the end, we had savvy folks who were you know, doing it on Zoom with professional backgrounds. And you know, we, at one point, we actually had one, one company who had full crew and they, they did it all professional and they really got into it and they would have their entire team. And it was pretty incredible. Okay. So if, if anyone escapes the pandemic, and I know we still are dealing with, with variants and everything else, but in terms of the core pandemic period, if they went through that and never did any type of virtual event, mm -hmm. would you recommend then pre-recorded virtual events or live virtual events? You know, there's a, a rhyme and a reason for each. Um, if you want to be live because you're going to have interaction with your consumer or your audience, because there's, there's questions and answers, there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. And you have the bandwidth to have really stable internet and, and, and control of your content. Absolutely. That live is always more fun. Um, it's nerve wracking. Um, but if you it's, have, a, it's a NASCAR pileup effect, I say, if there could be something could catch fire at any moment. And so even if you're, if you're watching something live, you're kind of like always, you're not necessarily rooting for something to go wrong, but I have had people text me afterwards, like, Hey, Kevin, that was boring, <laughs> not from a content standpoint, but you promised some type of a NASCAR pileup and it went off. Okay. So there's that drama. You're, you're waiting for them to get wiggly and turn three. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Um, yeah. If you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's a rhyme and reason for each. Now, if you are trying to, if your intent is to be, ex, you know, perfect and you want to control the content and you want it to be a specific amount of time and you want to fit in a window of 20 minutes, uh -huh. yeah, the absolutely the, the pre-recorded and the, and the 
chance to edit and craft is obviously, you know, very controllable. And for, for some folks, that's going to be a better play. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes the reason I ask the question is sometimes I think people feel like live on its own without the interactivity comes across as somehow being uh, like you are more of an expert or you're more, I don't know how to describe it, but when I ask people like you, you do realize that the majority of television is mm -hmm. not live. And yet the impact of you watching something emotionally and, and from an expertise level, like you don't, well, that documentary wasn't live. I don't, it, it kind of is this irrational uh, mind frame that people have that if you can't do it live, that it's somehow less impactful to the audience. You know, if you can do it right, you can do it authentically where it feels as though it's live. And that's, I think that's where the, the sweet spot is. You let there be enough um, natural flubs that you don't try to make it so perfect that people go, oh, okay. I mean, the majority of our shows we did, we did not do them live. We recorded them, but we left in enough that people felt as though they were watching a live uh, Academy Awards. Mm. Yeah, makes makes complete sense. And I think that's... Uh, both from a controls factor, but also if, if you're inexperienced to doing virtual events of any kind, probably better off unless you're doing lots of practices on those live streams first, just having that extra security of, of knowing that you can control the final product. Um, For sure. Talk to me about virtual versus hybrid. Do you have any thoughts or feelings about that from an event standpoint? Uh, you know, that's, that's where we're all going now, right? It's the challenge we've done. Um, three hybrids now where we had folks in, in the room and then streaming out to them. Um, I think they're fun. I think if you have the bandwidth that you can do both, that's fantastic. You do need to understand that when you are broadcasting out in the hybrid and um, you have to play to two audiences, there's an audience in the room and then there's an audience online. And you better have a fairly savvy presenter MC. Yeah, so I was just thinking the, ta is. the talent, so to speak, better be on their game and also the producing team, because yes. you probably don't have then a single camera angle either. If you're no. trying to recreate that experience. So it sounds like it's, you feel like it's obviously more complicated. I'm guessing then that that generally translates to more expensive. If you're asking for a third party to help you because they are, you know, if team PMP is putting on a hybrid event, you are putting on in some ways, two events at once, right? That's exactly right. That's what you have to remember is you're producing the event in the room and you're producing that event for that audience in the room because they need to feel it. And then you're also producing that event for those folks who are at home. So yeah, you're, it, it is double the work. And so I, and I don't, I think everybody needs to understand that it's not that it's more expensive. It's that it's double the work mm. and in <laughs> order for you to pull it off, you have to do double the work. Yeah. And you better remember that you're not just turning on a camera and streaming it out because that person sitting at home is going to feel yep. that and that's not going to feel. So if you want it to be successful, <laughs> you need to approach it as yeah. I'm, do I'm doing two events. We, we had seven or eight people that had to cancel relatively last minute for our event. And of course, the most common question is, well, can I get a copy of the recording? Because they know mm -hmm. that we have a film crew there and we are recording. Mm -hmm. but we're recording for a purpose different than a live or hybrid event. And so mm -hmm. without production and editing of those clips, like, and everyone says, Oh no, no, I just want the content, but trust me, you do not want to stare at a single camera and B roll that's being recorded off to the side, but you never see it. Cause you're just looking at one camera mm -hmm. and, and audio. It's just not, it's not the same. It's not, it's not the same. Archival it's almost footage. more harmful. I feel like. Yeah, because that's archival footage and that's footage mm. that you're going to cut up for other reasons. And so you're not going to, you can't replicate being in the room 
without a very good switcher, without some really good idea and without, and you're right, a producer who's going to say, okay, so now we're going to do this and we're going to, this is how we're going to move. This is how the flow is going to work. So yeah, you definitely want to consider those options, but it can be done. And we've seen it done. And wait, I'll tell you one thing we've all learned over the last year, 16 months, we're all much more savvy about being on screen and much more comfortable. So that's the good part is having those conversations and making a plan. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be surprised to your point of if you've been on Zoom or whatever platform it is over the last 14 months and any regularity, you probably are or could be a better public speaker or presenter than you would give yourself credit for. I guarantee you if we went back for most of you to the first Zoom call that you had uh, in March to now, you would not recognize uh, yourself or how you how you communicate on that platform for, for most people in terms of, in terms of growth over time. Well, I mean, that's one of the first things they do when they're, when, when you go through speaker training is they record you and play it back for yourself so that you can see yourself. We've all been sitting here looking at ourselves on zoom talking (laughs) for 16 months. So we've been going through this deep dive training that we didn't even realize we were in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's what I look like. Yes, it is. You know, Mike's old joke about if you don't like the way you look, just keep looking till you like Mm -hmm. it because that's what you look like. Awesome. If you had to pick, and I think I already know the answer to this, but I want to hear people, I want to let people hear your explanation. Which do you think is easier to produce live in person or virtual? And what's what's your, what's your preference? I will always say I love a live event for the sheer fact that you can never, ever recreate the energy of an audience. That is the one thing that for this whole last year, that's the the hardest part was not having that. Mm -hmm. Having an audience hearing, cheering, having, you know, just the whole energy of that room is very important. There's a different, you know, it's obviously there's other nerve wracking parts of it and anything that can go wrong could go wrong and knock on wood. You hope Murphy doesn't show up. So you're having a grand time. And sometimes when things go wrong, it just adds because we're all in it. And it's a synergy of, you know, a commonality. Hey, that just happened to all of us. Mm. Now with the virtual or the, you know, uh, events, yes, you have control and you have some other things, but yeah, they're very difficult because there's many different parts and pieces that you're putting together that you don't realize it naturally happened in a live environment. So, um, yeah, you can never recreate it. And it's, it's, uh, it was very difficult. Interestingly enough, the most difficult part it was, it was very difficult for our, our presenters, our MCs, because they didn't yeah. have anything to feed off of. Did they tell and jokes still? They tried. And we, <laughs> at, after, a point, after a while, it was like, you know, I just get to the content. Yeah, let's right. keep moving and we're going to get there. Um, yeah, it's, it's th- that part you don't realize when you don't have that, um, that, that energy to feed off of. It's very difficult. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell something. To, to you since no one else is listening. You know, when Mike and I do oftentimes five to seven calls a day for an hour at a time. And while everything that we're talking about with builders varies, a lot of the antidotes and stories are the same from call to call because of what we're trying to communicate at that time that we feel like builders really need to know. And so it makes complete sense what you're talking about of when, when I'm doing a NHB webinar or something where I can't see anything other than a list of names, what I do consciously or subconsciously, I'm not sure, is I go back to the well of, I know that 98% of the time when this is said, it is funny. So I can therefore assume, but I, I those are not circumstances where I ever want to try new material, so to speak, because you just, you're staring at a, at a black camera lens and you have no idea. 
And I think that is the hardest thing um, is from, from a speaker's perspective, not knowing when do I need to tell a joke? You know, you can prescript something so heavily and some people are great at that. But if you have a rough outline of material and it's more of a natural ebb and flow with the audience, those presentations in particular can be really hard to pull off in a virtual setting. So let me, let's transition to from, from talking about events in generality to mm-hmm. some of the events that you specialize in. I see you're on the road. You guys are back out and about. What, what will be your first full-on um, return to normal? And let's knock on wood as we're saying this, but um, mm-hmm. what will be the first kind of back-to-normal program that you put on? So our first full back-to-normal in-person will be the Southern California MAME Awards. That will take place on October 9th here in uh, Orange County in Anaheim. We just completed their in-person judging where we have three individuals fly in. We, we spent a day and a half in the room reviewing materials. And then we toured 500 miles, 11 different communities for two days visiting. And then our event will be on October 9th. And so that will be what I would call our very first totally intact MAME Awards. Yeah. And we're very excited. I mean, you know, we've had, we've done it. We did our Dallas event in July and the reason I didn't say that's fully because we did the, the judging virtually. So it, you know, we've done three shows in person and now um, where we've had the event in a ballroom with human beings who ate dinner and drank at a bar and went up on stage and picked up awards, which was fantastic. And not one person didn't say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so grateful to be here. And I'm so glad to see everyone in person again. Yeah. So it was fantastic. But yes, our first um, fully intact show will be October the 9th. Oh, that's exciting. I, I agree with you. Even the people, I was just at the Builder 100 last week, and there were definitely people who that was their first trip out. They were mm-hmm. unsure or hesitant. And I'm not speaking to anything from a scientific health standpoint. I'm just talking about that individual's experience because mm-hmm. I haven't seen anyone uh, attend an event who ultimately says that was a bad idea. Now, again, obviously okay. that's the moment. If they end up getting sick, then... Everything has to be reevaluated. But in terms of even people, there are people showing up from Canada who this is the first time they left the country, gone mm-hmm. anywhere. And after the first hour or two, they, that again, it was just this visible kind of exhaling. This feels so great. I'm glad. Now, again, tr- trade off cost benefit analysis. Everyone has to do that on their own and, and totally respect where you come up with on that. But it, it is, mm-hmm. it's part of the event experience now is a collective. This is really nice. <laughs> Yeah. And it, when it can be pulled off. Yes. And you have to let everybody, you know, they will take part as they feel comfortable. And right. we are all grateful that everyone has those choices. I mean, you know, yeah. yes, we're planning things where if so, some folks can't be there. We did a hybrid event in Dallas where people watched it. Um, some folks couldn't come. And actually they sold the show out and we <laughs> actually had overflow. So they couldn't come. And yeah. so that worked out great too. So, you, you know, we're, I think, I think what we've learned over the last number of years is even while you're planning, you're never done planning. Mm. So you're, that's, I think that is one thing we all need to remember is it's always going to keep changing and you have to be flexible and you better have some good ideas on what to do and be able to like, uh, I don't like to use the word pivot anymore. I like to say adjust, (laughs) you know, you're going to have to dial and adjust things to where they need to be for that specific day. 
And you're also allowed to have fun with it. I mean, I threw on my mask anytime I went up to someone who had a mask on and I was mm-hmm. like, let's get a selfie because with, with masks like this, mm-hmm. does that because there will be a time, hopefully not too long from now where we'll be like, that was weird, wasn't it? And I want to mm-hmm. have a picture of both of us masked up to remember that we were in this weirdness together. Like you can have, it's okay. You know, it's totally okay. You know what else it is? It's very respectful. And I think that's where we all need to be is everybody just needs to give everybody a minute and let everybody just take things as they feel comfortable. That's right. Okay. So the nationals coming Mm -hmm. up soon, I feel like I should play that screaming goat sound again when I hear the nationals, because, you know, we, we did an awards event as well that, that you helped uh, judge and, and give us some advice on, and we super appreciate everything that you, you shared with us and you were right on everything. That you, that you recommended. But I think even in our little tiny um, baby event in comparison to the nationals, people kept reaching out to me like, Kevin, I just don't have anything good enough. I just don't. And then some of those people were actually judges. Mm-hmm. And then they got even more kind of upset with themselves. They're like, dang it, I should have entered. And I, I know mm-hmm. I told you that 10 times. So help alleviate the fear of everyone who, and just Explain to us that this doesn't have to be something scary. It should never be something scary. Every builder, I would say this to almost every time. There is not a company, a builder, a developer, an associate supplier company who doesn't have a person, a place, or a space that is worthy of recognition. And it doesn't matter how big you are or how, how small you are. Everybody's doing incredible work. And it's the story. I'm putting it together and putting it, putting yourself out there. We've had you know, big builders win and we've had little builders win. And it's really, that's the beauty of the nationals is that we choose a cadre of judges who understand that. And it's realistically what that person's doing in their market that's making it special or making an impact and doing something different. So I always like to say, don't be intimidated. Take, take the chance. Um, you never know. You just might win. I think David Miles will, um, who Miles Brand will tell the story. You know, back in the day when he was, you know, a tiny little ad agency and he (laughs) submitted and now he has over 110 nationals, it made a difference, not only in in crafting who he was and where they went and and the different clients that they developed, that that actually helped them. So there are, there's never a a person who I can't say who can't be competitive in the nationals. Yeah. And I think you know, when I first got out of college, my dad told me, Hey, Kevin, I don't want you to interview places, but I want you to meet people and go out to breakfast with them, show them your portfolio. I was a computer graphic arts major, just get their feedback and just practice. You're, you're doing practice interviews in a place where you're going to feel more comfortable. And that process in and of itself teaches you a lot. And I think that was, we got feedback on ours and, and I think it's true for any awards event, the procedure of crafting your entry whether you win or lose makes you better. Just like putting something down on paper uh, around a, a topic or an idea organizes it in your mind a different way. And there's something about going through that process where even if you don't win and, and let's be clear, there is a lot of haterade and hater tots being eaten by the people who don't win, right? Oh, I, that, that's not as good as mine. But if you, if you take your entry and compare what one to your entry, there's probably lessons to be learned there about the next time around. 100%. And that's one of the beautiful things. Like you're exactly right. It's a, what you're crafting in that entry is you're doing your own little case study mm-hmm. that you're going to make a time capsule for. And the way we do our entries, you actually submit them 
um, so that they're, they're little packages and, and, and a folder and a Dropbox. And so I've had more people come back to me six, 10, 10 months later, a year later, and they say, can you resend me back my entries? Um, so-and-so left the company. We don't have a record of any of that work. Mm-hmm. Um, you're it. You are literally oh, my, um, you're my um, <laughs> institutional knowledge right now of that project. Can you help me? Oh my Absolutely. goodness. Absolutely. And so we keep, I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of hard drives I have in my office, but yes, those, that's exactly it. So you can go back because you have those entries, you've done that work and you do, you have all of that, that information and that material and you can go back and go, okay, what did we do? How did, who did we work with? How did we do it? What, what were those floor plans? And it is, it's a, it's a time capsule, it's a history. So I think yeah. they're very, very important. Putting something up on the screen for Lisa and I to look at that's also mm-hmm. in the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group. But it's an illustration of Legos. Legos just dumped in a pile, sorted by color, arranged by both color and height, and then presented visually in like a bar graph format, and then finally put together in the house and telling the whole story. And I think that's the thing that at the end of the day, most marketers fail at is that they're very good at communicating on, on a certain level, but not telling a story. And so if, if you have a hard time convincing um, those above you to make a change or invest in something that you feel strongly needs to be invested in or adjusted, again, this is, this is a good way to practice that, that skill set is if you can't tell the complete story, not just, you know, throwing out some numbers is not enough, not mm-hmm. for judges, not for your C-suite either, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So is there, is there any feedback? Talk, talk about if I don't win, what happens? Do, is, do I just, my stuff gets thrown in the trash can and I go home and cry myself to sleep? What, what, oh. what occurs if I don't no, win? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, but going back to what you I were saying. I don't know saying, that, but. Yeah, yeah. But, but what you were just saying, going back to your previous point, is it's the ability to present, make a case, and make a compelling uh, story to make somebody believe in what you're, what you're um, trying to accomplish. Yeah. And that's what your entries are. And right. if you think about it, they're just marketing presentations as if you were walking into your boss and saying, I'd like yeah. to do this. And I'd like you to invest this much money into this project. It's the same. Yep. It's the same idea. So entries, no, they come in They're They're reviewed by the judges. Everything is kept. And, you know, in, in a way, they're great market studies. So in the past, you know, we've actually been asked by companies to do a, mock judging where we show them the entries that were presented mm. and they do use those as learning tools. Um, we've actually done that for a number of architecture firms, interior firms, and then builders where they'll say, can you show me what was, was entered in best single family detached homes for this year? Yes, absolutely. Let's just take a walk through what they were. And it's the greatest collection of information you can yeah. possibly see. So it is, you know, you can take a deep dive into product, into design, into what you're trying to do. And, you know, we don't tell them who did it or, or what they did, but we read them the story, the marketing yeah. statement, the yeah. project, the details, and then why they did what they did. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's what this is. It's all about sharing of knowledge and increasing and teaching people um, how to be better. And that's what the awards programs are all about. And, and, I, th- and I think that's the other thing. We have a number of folks who bring their entire studio from an architecture firm to the Gold Nugget Awards every year. And they look at it and they say, we look at this as education. We mm. sit there, we watch, we look, and we get inspired for the next year. 
And it also the same thing for the nationals. We'll have people who come, they hear the stories of the winners and they say, now we know that we're as good or better than they are. We're going to enter next year and we're going to take that prize. I've had folks stand on the stage and say, we'll be back. And heck yeah, they've been back the next year. They've, they really, it's inspired them to work harder to yeah, achieve. I do agree with that. Like anything, you have to do good market research on what you're trying to accomplish. And mm-hmm. a lot of times people just have the wrong, not tone of voice, but they're, they're telling, they're telling a nonfiction story to a fictional judge, you know, like it, or maybe vice versa. You get my, my point. They're, they're just telling a story that, that isn't connecting with the type of things that tend to win in a given category. And I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a, more fair way to say that. It's like, if I, if I cast the most serious person ever in a romantic comedy, it it might turn out to be amazing, but more than likely it's going to somewhat flop. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Uh, the interesting thing is most people who don't win, it has, has little to do with the product or if, um, it's usually because they haven't told us the story. They forget who they're talking to. The judges are their peers and their colleagues in the industry who know what the heck they're looking at. And what they tend to do is they tend to fall back to what I call sales and marketing chitter chatter or fluff. <laughs> and what happens is you don't, all you get is, yes, this is a beautiful two-story home with 2,000 square right. feet with an open concept floor plan. They don't give you the detail of, listen, we had a tight lot. We needed to get this you know, done with uh, efficiencies. And they don't give you the, what I call, the behind the music mm-hmm. that you need that explains what, where, where it was. And that I think is the biggest miss for most of our most <laughs> entrants in everything yeah. is that they just don't tell the right story. So this is, uh, I'm looking at my MAME award from 2004 for marketing mm-hmm. director of the year when I worked at Miranda Holmes. Now Miranda Holmes in 2004 in Columbus, Ohio mm-hmm. should never have won anything ever. Like there is no, and I, Miranda, you're a much better company now than you were back then. But we had to ask for pens and, and office materials to be donated to us because we weren't allowed to buy them in, in the corporate office. So, I mean, the concept that marketing would be won by Marana, like it goes back to your story. Mm-hmm. And I think my challenge to people listening is if you feel like you are able to communicate ideas clearly and passionately to your internal audience that gets things changed or moved along, you should enter. Mm-hmm. Because like you're saying, it's a continuation of that storytelling ability in, in a way that, that hooks people and gets them uh, connected to what it is you're saying. So I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. And I'll also share with you um, a great story. We had a builder here in Southern California who, who's building in Palm Springs, which is notoriously difficult to build in. They have very strict design standards. Everything must be mid-century. It has to follow very strict, pass all of these different commissions and so forth. When they built their, their project, we had gone out to their um, grand opening and I said, this is absolutely spectacular. You must submit this for awards. And they said, nope, we don't believe in awards. We, we, we're not going to, we, we don't want to go through the effort. We're, we, we've, we've never won before. We're not going to spend the time and money. And I said, well, I hope you'll, I hope you'll change your mind and you'll submit because I think this is really fantastic. And I'd love to see you share it with the industry, what you've done here, because it's something special. They did, they changed their mind. They entered, they ended up winning not only their local, they went on to win the, what I call the triple crown. They won at their seven, the Southern California Name Awards. They went on to win at the Gold Nugget Awards for design. And then they mm. took all those entries and they took them to the nationals and they took community of the year. Wow. Yeah, that's great. They got hardware. They drank the Kool-Aid and that was fantastic. But here's the bigger story. When they went back 
to build their next project. And they walked into the city of Palm Springs. The city of Palm Springs says, well, that's great. You did, did it once. You know, you know, why should we let you do it? And they said, we have all of these awards that were presented to us by our peers who said that what we did was something special and good. And, and they said, oh, okay. So you have validation yeah. from your industry that you did something. And they were, they were, their um, project was Greenland. That's awesome. That is, that's the other part of not, it's people always say, oh, it's just, you know, people patting each other on the back. Not necessarily. Sometimes it'll make the difference in your ability to build the next project. hundred percent. And we were just talking beforehand too, that from a employee retention and just general excitement within the organization, when we, um, and I think by the time even you're hearing this, you won't necessarily have heard the full list of winners uh, from the Market Proof Awards. But when we announced it at the summit and we said, hey, if you're here with this company, come up on stage and be part of the, the excitement of what's going on. I mean, there was there was sales managers and people who had nothing to do with the entry. Had I'm not even sure they, they would have known there was an awards program before. And all of a sudden they were they were clinging to that award and saying, take a picture now so I can send it to my husband and send it to this person. And I want to post this online. And just the excitement of being connected uh, to the online salesperson or the marketer in their company who had, um, had had done the actual work and submission. So even from a broader employee uh, retention or recruitment standpoint, talk to me, talk to us a little bit about what you see happen sometimes as, as people win awards. I truly believe that um, having that sense of pride, not only in that person, that your team and belief in what they're doing is a huge, a huge element. And when you see folks who are like, oh, I, you know, we don't, we don't submit, we don't do that. You know, you're going to make your choice. If you have your decision between two companies, whether or not you're going to work for the guy who, who does and who doesn't. Um, I, I think there is a beautiful um feeling and a beautiful culture of those folks who, who believe in their, in their team. And it does show. Yeah. It's, it's, you can't replicate yeah. that. It really was for me at the time when I was with NVR, it wasn't about awards. It was just not being able to talk to other people in the industry uh, yeah. or go to a conferences and, and to participate and speak. And again, not because I was getting a trophy. It was just something that I enjoyed doing in a way to give back. And that, that definitely, I'm not saying it was the most important factor, but it was a factor. And, um, I can definitely see someone who is doing award worthy work on a continual basis and never able to submit that, that being something that just kind of grinds away at you year after year. I can yeah, totally see it. There's some folks who are like, that's doesn't, it, it's not their thing. And yeah. then the other folks who are like, Hey, listen, you know, I'm really, I'm, there's something special here. And there's something being said for shared knowledge. Yeah. Um, I think the folks who share and you know, what we all do, believe me, Nothing's a secret. Mm -hmm. Some people go, oh, well, if I do this, they're going to steal my idea. There's nothing's a secret. They know it before the awards program ever took place. They've walked your product. They've talked to your people. Right. They have seen the designs. They've, every, no, there is no such thing as a secret. Uh -huh. So that, that is a misnomer. I, so, I know someone who has judged the nationals who for over 10 years that I've known them said, you know, whenever we work with someone, our first question or first statement is you will not enter any awards programs because we think it's going to cause you to create work that's only good for awards programs. And I'm, and after judging the event, I think mm -hmm. their perspective is completely different. Yes, absolutely. I think you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will say, um, normally when I get the, the, the folks who are, um, what I would say the, 
they, they, they don't believe. Uh, I like to have them come and sit and spend the time and be on the other side of the, of the yeah. table and experience it because they do. They'd walk away with a completely different perspective and they see all the incredible work and hear the incredible stories and they are forever changed. Last question. What if someone's listening and they would like to get involved, whether that's locally or at, at some level in the judging? How does someone build their resume to become a good judge in your eyes? 110 percent. If you are interested in judging, um, please uh, contact us so that we can get you on a local awards program first. And we love to have new volunteers. Um, There's no nobody who isn't qualified to be a judge. Normally, what the big challenge is, is making sure that you are from uh, we don't take judges in the same market. They have to travel to a different market. They shouldn't have any any connectivity to a builder or a project or anyone in the market so that they are, are free and clear. And then you know you need is you just need to have a passion and, and an open heart and an open mind and be willing to go share your knowledge and be dedicated to the process. I think that's my other challenge is do what she said, <laughs> email mm-hmm. her and talk about that because the number of people who have reached out to me at the local level and said, Hey, can you judge? And I can't for some reason. Mm-hmm. They don't have any they they're like, Well, who else should I talk to, Kevin? Who who do you recommend? And it's how great would they feel and you feel if they had your name as a backup list to, to pull from for that stuff. So, um, absolutely get involved from a judging perspective as early I as you can. Sh- I will share with you that over 34 years, we judge in person. And even if we're not judging, even during COVID, when we were, when we were judging virtually, we meet our judges collaborate. They sit, mm. they have conversation, they review the entries together. They talk, they have, they bring in different points of view, but then they vote their own heart. And at the end of those two, three days, what you have is you also have opened your mind to different points of view, different mm-hmm. ideas. You have made only friends that you can then talk to at any time and reach out and ask questions. And the other idea is um, you get the better winners because there's been this conversation of, did you see this? I didn't take this into account. What did you see? And that is, that is very important and very critical to most uh, events, I believe. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for taking your time and coming out to talk with us. Hopefully everyone's encouraged to participate in these events, whether that's as a judge or an entry and just stop, Stop being so scared. Hit the button. Submit. When is the deadline, Lisa, before I, we should have said that? I'm so glad you asked. October the 18th for the Nationals is the deadline to submit your entries. So uh, please reach out to us if for some reason you have, uh, you're running late because you are very, very busy and we get that. Let us know. We, um, we'll work with you on case-by-case basis. But yes, October the 18th is our, our date we're looking at right now. Awesome. Best of luck to everyone who enters. Thanks again, Lisa. Thank you.